All right. Uh, As we begin today's lesson, let's begin with prayer. Join with me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word and for teaching us, instructing us uh, the true wisdom, the way in which we ought to go to know even you and to grow in this knowledge that we might love you and serve you and delight in you, our God, our Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and your only begotten Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Today we come to a lesson on wisdom. Well, we've looked at uh, several virtues so far. Uh, we've looked at faith, hope, and love, and those not only grouped by Paul, but have kind of traditionally been known as the theological virtues, in part because it's important that they are directed toward God, uh, that we have faith, not just any old faith, not just to believe generically, but to, but to believe in God, uh, to, to not merely have an optimism, but to have a hope fixed on, on God and his promises, and a love, which of course is also for, for our neighbor, but above all, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, a, a love for God. In that vein, we also looked at piety, uh, which is something that is first and foremost directed towards God as well, this dutiful devotion that springs out of gratitude and reverence uh, that is shown then in, in the way we live, our attitude uh, throughout life. And so in the, the rest of this series, I want to look at four more virtues uh, that sometimes they've been called the cardinal virtues. That's, that's not real important to know that, but uh, I didn't come up with the grouping. Uh, usually they've been known as uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, which you might notice that those are all Latin-based names, and that's one reason why not all of them are as familiar as perhaps other names that we would find in our English translations of the Bible, but uh, the concepts are, are good. I'm going to use, for the most part, terms that might be more familiar. Uh, wisdom uh, for, for prudence, righteousness, uh, being like justice. Uh, fortitude I'm going to keep using because it brings together both the concepts of courage and steadfastness, and then self-control. Um, and that's what I want to look at in the, the rest of this series. And so today, beginning with the topic of wisdom. Uh, Wisdom. The Bible speaks a lot about wisdom. Old Testament, New Testament, uh, wisdom being highly prized and valued. And it also contains a rich vocabulary of words that are related to wisdom. Words like insight, prudence, knowledge, instruction, discretion, good sense, and understanding. You know, so we're kind of thinking about this whole category or or grouping of of virtues and words that describe uh, the the good and moral use of the mind that we might live uh, well and godly uh, in in this way, that we might have wisdom. Uh, what What is contrary to wisdom? Folly, foolishness, yes. Uh, there could be maybe other alternatives, someone who's simple or naive, not quite the same as foolish, but might end up the actions looking pretty similar. Um, but, yeah, or someone who lacks sense, 
you can think of how the proverb speaks of alternative, but the main word used as an alternative to wisdom is that of folly, uh, of foolishness, and instead we are taught to be wise. Uh, what wisdom is is an intellectual virtue, a virtue of the mind. That doesn't mean it's not also a moral virtue. Uh, we ought to think and live wisely, and that's actually very important for all the other virtues. You know, knowing what is just, what what ought we to control ourselves to, to do? Like self-control, it has to have some kind of standard that we want to control ourselves to, to practice. Uh, wisdom is important to to direct us. Uh, how might you describe wisdom beyond just not being foolish? Um, being wise. Being wise, right? The application, the application of knowledge. A sound mind. A sound mind. Yeah, those are all good important parts. Did you have something else too? Or? Coming from God. Coming from God. Something that comes from God? Having the fear of the Lord. And we'll, we'll get to that as an important, important piece. So yes, it's, it involves knowledge, but rightly so. It's, it's also a certain application of knowledge. Um, wisdom involves deliberation, uh, understanding, and also sound judgment. That's kind of the idea of, of sound mind. You're not in a frenzy. You're, you're not... Um, have lost your mind, <laughs> that you're able to, to take in the facts, take in what you know, uh, deliberate what is the right thing to do in this situation, and then, of course, to do it. If, if you never do it, people are not going to de- describe you as wise. <laughs> you want to live wisely in accordance with this, with this virtue. So deliberation, understanding, sound judgment, uh, qualities that are necessary for virtuous living. A professor of mine defined wisdom as it's used in the Bible, as skill in the art of godly living. A skill in the art of godly living. So a virtuous person, if you're going to live rightly, must be able to figure out what is true and right and good. And then what is the good and right thing to do in, in this or that particular situation? And then fix upon a course of action. If you're always deliberating and, well, you know, there is this thing that we need to consider and, th- and there is this thing we need to consider and have you thought about this and you ne- always get stuck there, you might be, uh, have an active mind, but we might not call that wisdom. And just finally settle upon, all right, and now this is the thing that is the best and right thing to do. So wisdom involves a thorough understanding of the principles of God's word, you know, the, the ability to, to take what we have in God's word, and to see, well, what is it that God wants us to do? If he says, put the fence around your roof, what, what was really the principle behind that, that law? Uh, maybe it means that, and it, it does mean that we should not be negligent, we should take measures to preserve life, and let's put a fence around our swimming pool, or you know, prevent people from falling in. Think, things like that, we have an understanding of the principle, and therefore you can apply that to other situations, in accordance with that principle. Um, understand the goals. What is it that we ought to be seeking? You know, what, what is our direction? And then an understanding of the world. How does the world work? Uh, how does the wor- world work generally? What is the design that God has put into creation? How do people usually act? Um, and then also a, 
an understanding of your particular situation. What are the dynamics at work in this particular situation? What principles are relevant in this particular situation? It's someone that has uh, perception, that is able to perceive the situation. Not being like Job's friends, who had a lot of good principles maybe, but really didn't apply them to the right situation. There's a totally different set of principles that ought to have been uh, applied. They were not wise uh, in, in seeing... Uh, having a hammer and thinking it looked like a nail <laughs> and, and wanted to drive it home. So understanding of the principles, the world, the situation, and then the ability to, to come to a conclusion so that one acts wisely. Without wisdom, you might have uh, steadfastness and courage and yet use them to wrong ends. Uh, you might know, oh, I shouldn't do too much and I shouldn't do too little, but then, like, well, that doesn't help much. What is that? What is the place in between? Uh, you need to know that to be able to, to, to aim at it. The quality of wisdom is important for all people. It's especially something that one should look for in decision makers. So uh, when the Bible speaks of appointing judges or rulers or elders or deacons, uh, often one of the qualifications is that of wisdom uh, as when uh, Moses told the people to appoint judges in Israel, look for wise men, experienced men. Uh, people that are going to be able to take complicated cases that come before them and know what's the right, right decision to make. Now, there's several books in the Bible that focus on the topic so much that they're described as wisdom literature. Uh, it's kind of a whole genre of writing, category of writing. Can you think of some books that might be considered wisdom literature? Proverbs. Proverbs, yes. Probably first and foremost. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, yeah. Uh, I think we could also put Job in that category. Uh, perhaps Song of Solomon, a different, different kind of wisdom maybe. Uh, I think uh, Job and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs are, are the most commonly ones uh, put into that category of wisdom literature. All of them say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, or, or of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalms does too, in Psalm 111. Also in the New Testament, it's not like it's not in the New Testament as well. Uh, Jesus' teachings echo uh, some of the, the wisdom literature as well, of course being wisdom himself. And uh, the book of James has kind of been called the Proverbs of the New Testament and has many similar uh, topics and emphases. Colossians, too, which if we have time we'll look at, uh, brings up wisdom several times pretty much in every chapter of that book. But let's, let's start with Proverbs. I want to spend a little time on Proverbs. Get this out of the way. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. The of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 1 7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then later in Proverbs 9 verse 10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Uh, and so this is fundamental to being wise. It's, and I think it's the beginning of wisdom. In, in a couple respects. First of all, it's the height of folly to ignore God or rebel against him. Uh, it is the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. 
uh, it, it is foolish to ignore God. Uh, it is wise to fear God. It's the, the most fundamental thing to take into account in any decision that needs to be made. He's the most important factor in any equation. How can you ig- ignore the elephant in the room, the, you know, the God who made heaven and earth, who will bring everything into judgment, who, who sees all things? Uh, he is uh, the, the most important thing person, obviously. And so it's fundamental to wisdom to fear him. Also, by the fear of the Lord, you turn away from evil and the way of destruction, which is uh, the way of folly, because it leads to death. Uh, By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil and to the way that is good. And also, by the fear of the Lord, you are taught humility and teachableness before the Creator, the one who designed the world and the world that you live in. Uh, He rules it. Uh, We should learn from him. Uh, The fear of the Lord teaches us to be teachable, that that we might uh, grow in wisdom. Um, In in Proverbs, there's there's a certain cycle where the fool doesn't benefit from instruction. The wise person does benefit from instruction and grows wiser. So it's like, well, then how does the wise person become wise? How how does the fool become wise if the fool doesn't benefit from instruction? You have to start somewhere. Well, the start is in the fear of the Lord, that you begin now to to benefit from instruction, are able to be teachable, able to grow wiser, both through instruction and experience. So it flows very well from last topic that we looked at, that, that of piety. Now, there's kind of another beginning of wisdom, not that it's a separate beginning, but a compatible one that flows from the fear of the Lord. What is the other beginning of wisdom in Proverbs? What's that? Knowledge. It's, it's, re- it's similar to that. Obedience. Obedience. It's, it's, it's very similar to that, too. It's, it's part of it. So I'm thinking of Proverbs 4, verse 7, where it says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Is that a very helpful verse? <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. What, what's, what's the point there? Well, it, an important theme in Proverbs is that wisdom must be prized and pursued to be obtained. Uh, beginning of wisdom is a desire for wisdom. Beginning of wisdom is the pursuit of wisdom. Wisdom must be sought out. It's related to this teachableness. Um, wisdom is sometimes hard to acquire. Um, it takes humility to receive correction, to uh, submit yourself to instruction. Uh, the proud person is going to reject this, is things that he knows enough and therefore doesn't grow in wisdom. And so Solomon, as a good teacher, in the book of Proverbs, spends nine chapters exhorting people to seek out wisdom. Nine chapters exhorting you that wisdom is important. Wisdom's going to deliver you from uh, all sorts of temptation. Wisdom ought to be prized above silver and gold. Uh, wisdom is how God made all things by, by his wisdom. So it spends like the first half of the book without really any, not many individual Proverbs, like we think of the book being the book of Proverbs, but of exhortations to, to love this, to, to take hold of her, uh, to prize wisdom, because that's going to be necessary to, to learn it. 
And so wisdom should be sought out from God, from his word, from parents, instructors, and friends, through instruction and correction and attentiveness. This pursuit is very important because it's wisdom that preserves you from, from the strange woman, from the violent man, from the ways of death. And let me go ahead and read part of Proverbs in that vein. From Proverbs 2, I'm going to read the chapter here part by part. Proverbs 2 says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures. All right, so we have a lot of ifs here, right? If, if you are going to really put yourself out in pursuing it and prizing it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, uh, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. We see see another important point. Wisdom comes from God, comes from his word, and he gives it to those who, who seek it. He watches over their ways. And then verse 9 picks up again with then. So it's picking up again from if you search out, if you seek it. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. It's important to be wise. You understand what justice is so we can go on to the next virtue of of justice. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Again, we have these synonyms with wisdom, discretion, understanding, knowledge. They're going to protect you. You need this armor. You need this equipment. What do they deliver you from? Well, that's in the next verse. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. There's deception out there. There's lies out there. There are devious ways and men of perverted speech that are going to try to ensnare you, trip you up, and you need wisdom to protect you so that you do not go astray. It goes on, another threat. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her path to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So the threat of, of adultery, of sexual immorality, also presents as, as, a, as a temptation. Again, words that will mislead. So you will walk in the way of the good. Again, if you pursue it, if you prize it, if you obtain this wisdom from God. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. All right, so you don't want to join their club. They're going to be rooted out of it. They're not going to remain. You'll be left behind if you're wise. You're going to remain on the land. You're going to to inherit the ways of the good. 
those who fear the Lord and who, who seek true wisdom from Him. And so wisdom must be pursued. Uh, wisdom uh, must be prized. Any questions on, on thus far on, on wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom? Yes. Right, right, like the parable of, of uh, the pearl of great price, to be prized above all. And we'll get to, hopefully in Colossians, where, where wisdom and Christ, of course, are linked uh, together. So wisdom and instruction must be held tightly and, and internalized, that you don't just memorize a few rules, but that you take it to heart, and it becomes your own principles, your own uh, character that expresses itself in your speech and your behavior. A God-fearing person is going to grow in wisdom through training. An inst- a combination of instruction, where you learn things, and practice, where you put it to practice, and then correction, where, okay, you didn't practice it real well. You know, let's correct it a little bit. Let's learn a little bit more. And then you put that into practice, and then that gets a little corrected, and then you learn some more. And then in, in this, this cycle, which doesn't always look the same in every part of life, but is a process that will be, in one way or another, lifelong. A God-fearing person embraces this training. Now, this is why the old are expected to be wiser, because they've had more time for this training um, and have had more more experience uh, to grow in wisdom, to become more mature. Obviously, too many people neglect the opportunity, and both young and old can think, well, they know enough and and do not learn. But there is the greater opportunity, though, uh, for those who are older to to have this wisdom. That's also why we expect wisdom in tradition, uh, the repository of lessons learned over generations. Again, not all wisdom, not all traditions are equally wise. Sometimes they, too, have to be corrected and add some lessons to them. But it's why generally we we expect there to be wisdom in uh, tradition uh, that, that people have learned things over the years. Now, one important tool of instruction in wisdom is that of the proverb. Uh, the proverb, you know, that short and kind of pithy sentence, usually uh, a parallel phrase in proverbs, uh, maybe saying the same thing in two different ways or contrasting two different things, often are designed to make you think designed to make you meditate. Sometimes they're simply descriptive. This is the way the world works. And then you have to think, well, how should I therefore live in accordance with this? You know, like the Proverbs that talk about, it's really unpleasant to live with a quarrelsome and fretful wife. Well, okay, what should I do with that? (laughs) You know, then you start to think, how should I live in in wisdom? Maybe to prevent this situation beforehand or, um, or to not be that type of person. Uh, There's, there's, Proverbs that give wisdom in a lot of different areas. One big, big emphasis is that of speech. A lot of Proverbs about words. That's something that James picks up as well. Your words can be like a fire. The words can uh, be set a forest ablaze. Such a small member and yet so powerful. It takes so much wisdom to use it rightly. Uh, covers work and wealth and sex and marriage and child rearing and politics and friendship. Uh, Proverbs also teaches that that virtue is wise. 
that, that righteousness and diligence and self-control, humility and gentleness, these are our wise qualities. So diligence is wise, not sloth or theft. Those are things that Proverbs discourages. Don't be the slothful man who just lets everything fall apart and lays in his bed. Don't be the, the thief who thinks, oh, we'll just take the get-rich-quick scheme and share our purse and rob the bypasser. And No, in the alternative is diligence. Likewise, self-control is wise, not sexual immorality, not pugnacity, you know, to be lack of self-control in, in, in sexual matters, but also not a lack of self-control in letting your tongue loose and stirring up a fight. Uh, that there's self-control needed, which is wise. The, these wise virtues, like diligence, self-control, humility, these are home-building virtues, which we see especially in the last chapter of Proverbs, the, the Proverbs 31 woman who, who's building up her house by, through the fear of the Lord and the qualities that come from that. But the vices that Proverbs describes are those that tear down homes, that tear down kingdoms, uh, and, and leave destruction in their path. So obviously I'm not going to be able to cover all the Proverbs in, in this lesson, but there's a lot said. We could also go to Ecclesiastes and its lessons and Job, some of the complexities of living in a fallen world and in the delay between now and the final resolution of all things in the judgment to come. But in the time that I've left, let's go to the New Testament. I'm going to go to Colossians. In Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10, we have Paul's prayer for the Colossian saints. Now, this is, should not surprise us, because when we take prayer requests, or if I ask someone, oh, what can I pray for you for, uh, often the request is for wisdom, uh, that uh, how do I make choices, how do I uh, make good choices, know what to do. Well, Paul, in verse 9, says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So, it should be our desire, we should pray for it too, to know God's will in all wisdom and understanding, so that we can walk in a manner worthy to him. Not only does Paul pray for this, but he also works hard for it at the end of chapter 1, verse 28. And describing his work that he does, perhaps using we in this verse to describe Timothy as well, ministry in general, speaking of Christ, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so the, the teaching and warning, admonition, instruction to be given in all wisdom that we might be perfect or mature in Christ. It's a process of discipleship uh, that we have as Christians to be learning, uh, to be growing in wisdom. Chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, uh, continuing again, thinking of uh, his struggle 
What is the end of his struggle, his purpose? That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of them, are found in Christ, Christ Jesus. The, the Proverbs often talk about wisdom in kind of a personified sense, and I think primarily it's speaking of, of wisdom, uh, the, the, the concept, the thing, but uh, much of that language in the New Testament is used to describe Jesus Christ himself, who is to us wisdom. He is the wisdom of God, as Proverbs describes wisdom being begotten before anything was created. So, you know, Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father before all worlds, that uh, by wisdom all things were made, and by Christ all things were made. Um, That's where do we find wisdom and take hold of wisdom? It's by taking hold of Christ, uh, that in him is life. And it would be the utter folly to reject him. Uh, But in him, we become truly wise and are reconciled with our maker. And so he's saying, don't let anyone lead you astray by by claims of being wise and and philosophies that would lead you astray from Christ. Be satisfied in Christ and to grow in him, not apart from him. In verse, chapter 3, verse 10, and describing of the, the new man, the image that's being renewed, he says that we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In Ephesians, he speaks of holiness and righteousness being part of that image that we're being renewed after. In Colossians, with the emphasis on, on wisdom, he brings out the fact that this image that's being renewed in us is being renewed in knowledge, uh, in true knowledge, uh, that we are growing in this wisdom uh, through Christ. We've put on this image, but it's being continually renewed now. And part of that then shows up, well, how do, that, how do we grow in this way? Chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So if Christ has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we should want his word, his teaching, to dwell richly in us. And this, do, this takes place through instruction and wisdom wise instruction, and also by singing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs uh, among one another as well. In these ways, the Word of God dwells among us richly. And then finally, in chapter 4, verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. So, be thinking wisely be living wisely, especially before outsiders, that you might not bring shame upon the faith, uh, that you might set a good example to them, that you might be light to the world, also that they don't have reason to blaspheme God, that uh, you also are, are speaking, good, giving good answers to those who ask, to those who are curious, that that's what goes on to speak. Say in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Uh, but also, not only in your speech is part of your behavior, uh, be wise in that way, but make the best use of the time uh, to, to, to make good choices, to live 
uh, well and, and godly. So walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Any questions on, on Colossians or wisdom here? Um, in Matthew 10, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, the word there for wisdom is actually the, the word that's often used for, for prudence uh, in a negative sense, sometimes for shrewdness, but, but prudence or, or a sound mind uh, and, and that sort of practical wisdom. Jesus doesn't want his people to be simpletons or to uh, be naive. Uh, you are sheep among wolves, so beware of men. Uh, look out for the danger that comes. Don't be taken off guard. You are to be wise. You to be children in some respect, right? Ought to be children in humility, in teachableness, in humility among one another and before God. You must become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. But scripture also says don't be children in understanding. <laughs> don't be children in being ignorant. You know, we want to grow in wisdom and we want to be prudent as well. But sometimes does prudence get used as a, an excuse to compromise sometimes? Or say, oh, there's a lion in the street, I better not go outside. Or, you know, we would appeal to the unbelievers better if we just unhitched ourselves from the Old Testament and didn't deal with all those controversial things. Or, you know, oh, it would be prudent, it would be wise if uh, we gave in here or there. Um, or it's okay to be ruthless in this situation, so for, do evil that good might come. So I think that's why Jesus adds the second phrase, and innocent as doves. The devil was, was crafty, uh, but he was not innocent as doves. He was using that wisdom to do harm, um, to, to, to uh, do evil. Uh, we ought to be prudent and wise as serpents, but also at the same time to be doing so righteously, to do so in ways that we don't become like wolves, <laughs> that we are harmless or as innocent as, as doves, uh, even as we dwell among the wolves. Um, so all the virtues need each other. We ought to be wise, but if we're not self-controlled and righteous and uh, all the other things, that, that uh, virtue can be perverted as well. Let me finish then with the epistle to James. Not the epistle to James. The epistle from James. Two verses. Chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So what is true wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, well, this is what it looks like. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's, not, it's different than jealousy and selfish ambition, the, the things that tear people apart, that pick fights needlessly, quarrelsome. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason, uh, that it's not proud and closed-minded in the sense that, oh, I can't learn anything, or, or I'm just going to be the hammer that everything else is a nail, regardless of the situation. 
uh, but rather can deliberate and, and understand, have insight, is full of mercy and good fruits. Uh, it is impartial and sincere. Uh, that is, again, uh, going to look at the situation fairly and uh, is going to not be hypocritical, rather sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, uh, wisdom is to be exercised, and what it looks like is not bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, but rather it is something that comes from above and leads one to be wise, wise in community, wise with one another. But of course, James had already spoken of wisdom in his epistle. Where do we get wisdom from? Certainly it's by submitting to this instruction, but we also must be sure to seek it from God. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So just as Proverbs has said, lift up your voice, call out for wisdom. So the New Testament says this as well. Pray to God that he might give you wisdom. Uh, Seek wisdom from the Lord, uh, in the fear of the Lord, and he gives generously to those who seek it. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, which does so much to instruct us, yet we know that a proverb in the hands of a fool is, is useless, is like a, a lame limb. And we pray that you would teach us in your fear, that we would be taught humility, that we might grow in wisdom and benefit from instruction. We ask that you would grant us this wisdom, this wisdom from above, that we might live well, that we might do what is right and know what is right, to know your will, what you would have us to do, that we might walk in a manner worthy of you, pleasing in your sight, uh, that we might walk in wisdom before outsiders, giving a good witness before them to your grace, to your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.